1: Good morning, witches. It is November 17th, 2023. It is Friday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by me on my New Year readings. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, what happens to be the power of laughter and love would beat out the power of fear every time by John Goodman, which yeah, that is um why I love stand-up comedy like, and I feel like people who aren't into comedy don't understand that it does actually serve a really meaningful purpose in the world. And I think when you hear a lot of comedians go, oh, you can't joke about this or that anymore, (sighs) like, it's because, like, those words mean something, and they matter, and what people laugh at are typically what people resonate with and what they agree with, right? And so, when you joke about things, and I would argue you kind of never could, uh, you know, but the whole point of comedy is that you are giving people something to relate to, and that's really powerful. So, if you can get a room full of people to be on your side, then in those moments, you can maybe say something. That would be difficult for them to hear outside of other contexts. That's why often when you listen to a really good comedian, um, they're often trying, like, there might be a point in the show where it gets kind of serious, right? Because they're trying to say something important. And how they do that is through laughter. So I agree. All right, witches. What are we drinking today? We are drinking witches pie from Sip-A-Spell because tis the season. Yes, I love it. I love the drink part of the holidays. I love all of it, all of it. Peppermint mocha, yes, please. Pumpkin spice li- like latte until December first, can still do it. Uh, hot chocolate, yes. Hot cider, yes. Mold wine, yes. Pecan pie tea, yes. I love it. I love it. This is the season of drinks. It's just, ugh, cannot get enough. So, moving into some headlines. And I kind of wanted to talk about a silly one. Eee. This is from NewYorkPost.com. Which talks about how cold weather could have helped cause the Salem witch trials. I guarantee this is going to have something to do with crops. Let's see if I'm right. Um, so they explain Salem witch trials. We know what that is. I'm not going to go over it. So extreme weather causes extreme weather cause extreme consequences. Yep crops called it so this was a particular concern for the people of the 17th century new england as they were largely a um agrarian society their communities were predominantly made of farmers or people who depended on their gardens to feed their families so bad weather meant failed crops meant starvation meant disease meant death yes so no new information from what i'm saying it's basically like they had no food it was it was hard it was hard desperate times and that's kind of always my point um they say it turns out the 1680s and 1690s were the absolute most extreme weather of this whole little ice age oh so this is kind of new information so it's not just that it was cold but like it was a it was a very cold season okay i get what they're saying yeah basically they think that um because they found out that the weather conditions were the worst of these years That that probably caused some of the desperation that helped feed into the Salem Witch Trials. I take back my comment when I said there was nothing new. I apologize. Um, I would also like to talk about Catacomb TikTok. Has anyone seen this? Or am I just in a weird little niche? Anyways, so for those of you who don't know this about me, most people do. I'm a little bit of a Francophile. It runs in the family. Every generation we have one. I am uh, the uh, reigning one of this current generation. And so when I went to Paris, I had to go to the catacombs. It was the only thing I wanted to do. That was it. It was the only thing I wanted to do was go to the catacombs. And I went legally, you know, the correct way to go where you pay the museum who have put money into keeping it safe and um, all of that. And we went and I... I loved it. It was one of, I just had such a neat time. It was really cool. Um, It's, for those of you who don't know, the Paris Catacombs is essentially an underground kind of grave. And it exists under the entire city, runs for miles. And it was how they disposed of the dead, I think, during the plague. And it's just really neat. It's a really neat peek into a certain time in history. And you just obviously, you have to be very respectful. Because it's like going into a cemetery. You know, there's like rules of respect. And it was, I loved it. It was a wonderful time. Now, if you mention the movie, As Above, So Below, they will get mad at you. (laughs) They don't like it. And I thought, when I was there in 2018, I thought it was because that movie had encouraged people to go rogue. Now, what does that mean? Well, basically, the official museum entrance is not the only entrance. There are hidden entrances all over the city, and there are people... Um, who have made their own little communities kind of within the underground catacomb system. Uh, There are people who spend a lot of time down there, who kind of create it like their own hotel. And they, it's like a problem because people get lost down there and then they don't make it back out, you know. And so I thought they hated the movie because it had maybe encouraged people to start going down there. However, from what I hear, everyone I've heard say, oh, no, I don't do that because I saw that movie. It is an an amazing movie. Um, Oh, I love it. It's so good. But apparently there is like – apparently people are like just getting a little – out of control with the catacombs right now including I guess a couple went down there to get married and again not in like the legal section like the section where you could get lost and then like you don't know which areas aren't going to cave in on you and it's just not a smart thing to do um and then there's and then they were touching things like remains human remains that they shouldn't have been doing and it just wasn't very cool Uh, but, but apparently there is like a whole little society that are down there and they don't want outsiders in there, you know? And so people are warning others, like, do not go down there. Do not think it's a fun adventure. It is not. It's not safe. You might get lost. And there are people down there who don't want you down there and they will make sure that you don't make it out. Right. So like, just don't do it. But apparently there are, yeah, people going down there kind of acting a fool you know, uh, but it is believed people go down there and do rituals, which makes sense. We talked about Stonehenge earlier this week, which was also like at one time a cemetery, be- believed to be. Um, and people also go down to the catacombs to do little rituals as well. Basically, just watch the movie as above, so below. I'm sure it's just as good as going down there, but I just had to see if anyone else was on this side of TikTok that was talking about it because, whoa. Like, the things people are doing down, like, down there. Apparently, there had been an entire movie theater someone had built down there. It had a projector, seats, the whole shebang. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think people full-on live down there. But they definitely use it like a free rec- recreation area. And the people who are accustomed to being down there do not want outsiders down there. But it's really fascinating. So if that's something you're curious about or just if that uh, keeps your interest of hearing more about it, um, it is currently a hot topic on TikTok. So we just wanted to mention it. I wanted to mention it because it does have to do with, like, um, you know, people not being super respectful of the dead, which I work with the dead. So that's my witch path is working with the dead. So I, I do take that stuff pretty seriously. Like I, I would never touch, you know, um, remains, which I can't believe I have to say in 2023. But apparently you have to say it because people are doing it. And yeah, oof, <laughs> wild. So I don't know. If you want something new to check out, I I would go check that out. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over
0: to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, November 17th. The waxing crescent moon continues achieving in Capricorn. Here, the moon trines Uranus and conjuncts Pluto. The Pluto-Uranus trine will be with us for quite some time, and this aspect really highlights the trine and how it's operating. Look for places in your life where there is a deep and constructive change. We may experience a personal revolution in how we view our capacity for power and control. With Uranus involved, these insights may be sudden, with the events around you abruptly highlighting the forces operating in the background and your place in the hierarchy. This is a period rife with the possibility of radical change. When you see that opportunity, grab that lightning and ride it wherever it's going. Your daily moon mantra is, if we don't change, we don't grow. And if we don't grow, we aren't really living. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Hi, witches. It's me.
1: Um, I did want to share that every uh, December and January, I do 12... month yearly readings. Uh, Basically, it is a reading that I do over audio that I email to you and I go over what your year is going to look like. I give you ideas for what to write down in your planner, how to make hard times a little softer, what I think you can avoid, and what I think you're just going to have to muscle through. Um, And I share good things um and as well as which months you can prep for harder months or ways you can celebrate things and I absolutely love these readings I have people who get this who get the readings every year and nothing makes me happier when I get like an email in August that was like oh my gosh Your reading was spot on all year, and it just makes my day. So I only offered these in December and January. So if you want to check that out, go to schedule. Nope, go to uh, TanyaBrown.Schedulelista.com or go to WitchPod.com if you want to schedule that. Uh, I stop offering them after January. All right, witches, I am back. So today is normally our encyclopedia day, but I wasn't really finding anything in the encyclopedia that felt appropriate. And then I realized I've been doing my own independent research for something that I cannot talk about right now. (laughs) But I was doing research and I stumbled upon the most fascinating thing, and it's essentially this idea that a French author... I think in the 11th century, let me triple check. No, in the 15th century. A French author in the 15th century wrote a book with a fictional place that would inspire secret society as well as possibly Aleister Crowley's path of witchcraft. So I'm going to tell you that story. So, France, uh, Francois Rabelais was a, a monk in the 16th century, and later he left the monastery to study medicine before moving to the French city of Lyon in 1532. He wrote books when he was a monk. It was a series. One was called Gargantua, and the other one was Pantagruel, which was a series. They tell the story of two giants, a father and a son, and their adventures within is an, is amusing, extravagant, and satirical, which I love. I love when like holy people like have humor. So most critics today agree that Rabelais was a Christian humanist and he was writing these books from a Christian perspective, uh, and that it was satire, it was supposed to make fun. But there were a few people. Who took it a little more seriously. And here's the thing. As someone who like. Studies occultism. Witchcraft and. The occult and religious sex. It does not strike me odd at all. That occultists. Wouldn't take a monk's fictional work. And be like. I like this. Let's let's make it for real. So. Basically, in his first book, Gargantua, Rabelais writes of this Abbey of Thalame, which is an estate, for those of you who don't know, built by the giant Gargantua. It is a classical utopia presented in order to critique the uh, state of society of Rabelais' day, as opposed to a modern utopian text that seeks to create the scenario in practice. So it is a utopia where people's desires are just more fulfilled. And if you know anything about, like, Christian perspectives, they usually don't like that. They don't want people to get what they desire, right? So, again, this was satirical. So it also kind of epitomizes the ideals considered in Rabelais' fiction, that inhabitants of the abbey of Theleme were governed by their own free will and pleasure, with the only rule being do it thou will. Rabelais believed that men who are free, well born, and well bred have honor, which intrinsically leads to a to virtuous actions. When constrained their noble nature, turn instead to remove their servitude because men desire what they are denied. So essentially this idea again Christian beliefs that like good men are of service, you know? Like it it was his belief that you 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 exist to serve, not to want what you want for yourself. So Yes, Thelamay. So he wrote of Thelamay, which there are paragraphs. Hang on. Like, I'm I'm trying to, like, build this up into a really, oh, okay. Let me tell you more about how to get into this fictional Theleme. Now, apparently in the book, to enter Theleme, this abbey of kind of decadence, there were two arches you had to pass through. And I'm guessing if you, like, you could be rejected, right? So in the novel Gargantua, Abbey of Thelamay, like I said before, is built by the giant Gargantua, and it differs from the monetistic norm, since it is open to both monks and nuns. It has a swimming pool, maid service, no clocks, and there's an inscription at the first gate that specifies who is not welcome hypocrites, bigots, hox ridden, two strong law clerks, grinches, judges, and burners of heretics. So if you are able to pass through the first arch, the second one is more inviting. It says honor, praise, distraction, herein lies subtraction, and the turning of a joy to healthy bodies so employed, do pass on this reaction. Honor, praise, distraction, And basically, to live in the Abbey, you must live by one rule. Do what you want. Now, this was just in a book by this French monk in the 15th, 16th century. Oh, gosh. Apparently, it is believed to have inspired, possibly, Aleister Crowley. It is a little bit of a debate, but the fact there's, like, two whole pages of this in Aleister Crowley's, um, I mean, he named his own ritualistic house the Abbey of Thelemy. So, I like, I, I, there's some debate, but apparently Aleister Crowley, I believe, was highly influenced by this fictional land. So most critics today agree that Rabelais, like I said, wrote from a Christian humanist perspective. Uh, Crowley biographer Lauren Sutton notes this when contrasting contrasting the French author's belief with the Thelemae of Alistair Crowley. In the previous mentioned story of Thelemae, most critics analyze as uh, referring and part of suffering loyal Christians. So again, they're kind of trying to get the point across that... Uh Rabelais did not expect people to take this as more as like a goal rather than um, he it was supposed to be like, you don't want this. But people were like, no, we want it. So, yeah, a lot of modern Thelemites consider Crowley's work to build upon Rabelais' summary of the instinctively honorable nature of Thelemites. Rabelais has been variously credited with the creation of the philosophy of Theleme, which is Aleister Crowley's essentially tradition of religion. It's very fascinating. So, for those of you who don't know, Thelema, or yeah, is it Thelema? I don't know how he pronounced it, but Theleme is now considered a Western esoteric and occult. Occult, social, or spiritual philosophy—a new religious movement founded in the early 1900s by Aleister Crowley, an English writer, mystic, occultist, and ceremonial ma- yeah. um, magician. Central to Thalame is the idea of discovering and following one's true will—a unique purpose, calling that goes beyond ordinary desires. It's and then I think oh uh, oh and then of course um, Thelmic magic. Kind of centers around the idea of do what thou will, and that shall be the whole of the law. What you want is law, true will. And if that does, I'm, I am a believer that he was inspired by Grubele. When you go to the Wikipedia page for uh, the religion, there's a whole section on this fictional Abbey of Thelemay. And then Aleister Crowley named his, his ritual space, Abbey of Thelamay, which is so fascinating. Now, it wasn't just Aleister Crowley. And here's the thing we we like him or not, we can thank Aleister Crowley for a lot of our modern day witchcraft. A lot of modern day witchcraft is kind of built on Crowley, OTO, his work along with uh the work of uh the Freemasons and um Buddhism and all of these things. Now, Crowley wasn't the only one inspired by this fictional abbey. It is also believed to have inspired the Hellfire Club. Now, the Hellfire Club was a name for several exclusive clubs for high society established in Britain and Ireland in the 18th century. Yeah. Such clubs, rumor had it, served as the meeting place of persons of quality who wished to take part in what were socially perceived as immoral acts, and the members were often involved in politics. Neither the activities nor membership of the club was easy to discern. The clubs allegedly had distant ties to an elite society known only as the Order of the Second Circle. The first official Hellfire Club was founded in London in 1718 by Philip Wharton, 1st Duke of Wharton and and um, a handful of other high uh, high society members so what does this have to do with Salome? well sir francis dashwood adopted some of the ideas of Roubelais and invoked the same rule in french when he founded the hellfire club an abbey was established at madmenham in a property which incorporated the ruins of cisterning of a Sister Cian Abbey founded in 1201. The group was known um as yeah, as the Flower Club. Isn't that wild? This monk was just like, "Hey, you want to hear like hear what would happen if like men just like stopped serving God? This is what would happen." And two men were like, "Bet." I just think this is so fascinating and I discovered this on accident. Like 2 days ago and I thought it was so interesting. But I was researching a whole different project which was not meant to be occulty and I I was just find myself here. I was just like, "Oh, I wonder what this is about." And then bam. <laughs> Anyways, I think I have a fun little video from the Watcher Boys about the Hellfire Club. If I find it, I'll post it. Okay? But yeah, I just figured it would be a fun little topic today. Like, so we can actually kind of thank a lot of our modern witchcraft. We can thank a lot of it on this monk and this idea of this of this kind of decadent estate, because he inspired Crowley, and Crowley inspired probably a lot of our a lot of wh- what we consider magical today and a lot of our ceremony ritual i think Crowley was very ceremonial very ritualistic and a lot of it is based off him at least ceremonial kind of like like you know ritualistic witchcraft and he was inspired by Rubile, this monk who was just like you know what would be hilarious <laughs> it's just fascinating. fascinating oh my gosh oh, i love research I once had someone ask me, isn't like your whole life just like school? And I was like, yeah, it's wonderful. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Ashley. Ashley, you innocent, hospitable garden nymph. Lex, you glittery, charming Valkyrie queen. And Bonnie, you tenacious, noble tiger cub. Thank you 3 so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And we have a card pull today. Our card is number 13 from the Sacred Symbol Oracle, which is good fortune. No matter what you query, the universe gives you its blessing. This is also a powerful time for manifesting. So ask now for what you want more of in your life. It is granted. Acknowledge the blessing in your life and more will appear. Uh, Before we we leave, I do have a little housekeeping. So the annual variety show again this year. um, I'm still kind of looking for people to, uh, let's see, we have storytellers already. We have songs. I definitely want to find someone who would possibly want to walk you guys through maybe like a little spell you can do while you're listening or maybe some sort of cooking thing Uh, but if you have any ideas or you want to be involved please reach out Uh, this show we've been doing since the very beginning I'd like to have a show like this on Christmas day as for a lot of people they don't always have people around during Christmas so we can be those people you know and uh, all ad revenue is going to charity so reach out All right, don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources we referenced today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com, and we will talk again next week. Bye!
0: Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence.